motion made. Is there a second? Second. Made second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Now in executive session. Convene regular session. 3.02. We have a motion to approve the agenda for November the 29th, 2021. Is there a motion? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Okay, ask everyone to please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If I could ask you to remain standing for a moment of silence for the members of the Any River School District that uh, their families lost loved ones this weekend. Thank you. You may be seated. Three point oh four student government. Good evening, my name is Emma Rickards. I'm a senior at Indian River High School and I'm here on behalf of our student council to speak about some of the activities taking place at our school right now. Last month we wrapped up what is perhaps the students' favorite week of the year, homecoming week, with a successful pep rally and dance. However, now as the holidays are upon us, the student-run organizations throughout our school have been engaged in all kinds of community-oriented activities and donation drives. Last Tuesday, the Leo Club sent a group of students to volunteer at Mount Air's Thanksgiving for Thousands event, where they helped distribute packaged Thanksgiving meals to local state services, churches, and low-income families. The HOSA Club ran a Thanksgiving drive last week and collected dozens of non-perishable goods and are currently holding a donation drive for the Crisis House Emergency Center. Our National Honor Society has also been collecting a variety of canned goods and toys. Student Council has been very successful this year with almost 50 new members. With this increased membership, we are holding our largest Adopt-A-Family Drive yet. We have adopted 21 homeless families, dividing the wish list among each grade level of Student Council members. At this time, we have almost every single family and child accounted for and plan to have a surplus of gifts by Friday. Nearly all of our fall sports teams made it through the Southern and Henlopen conferences into the playoffs this year. The boys' soccer team completed their season in a hard-fought quarterfinal game against Delmar, and the cross-country team took a few top three spots for both the girls' and boys' teams in the Southern Conference. The football team is still fighting their way to a state title after defeating St. Andrews last Saturday in a 36-0 game and will head to the semifinals this Friday to play Laurel. With the end of the football season nearing comes the end of a great season for the marching band. This winter, they will continue with the annual holiday concert. Lastly, I would like to talk about something that I know I, as well as the other seniors, appreciated, College Application Week. We watched a different video about all of the Delaware colleges each morning during enrichment, and our college counselor, Mr. Hawkman, came over the announcements every morning with a trivia question about the college. The first person to send in the correct answer each day won a gift card. I believe this allowed a lot of the seniors to become more familiarized with the in-state benefits available to us, such as the SEED program, and a lot, had a lot of underclassmen thinking about their future and the college application process. On behalf of the students, we are very grateful to be slowly returning to a normal year after a tough year navigating, through, navigating education through the pandemic. I thank you for having me and appreciate the opportunity to speak on my school's behalf. Thank you. 3.05, approval of the regular minutes for October the 27th. Also, 
3.06, approval of executive session minutes for October the 25th, and also 3.07, approval of board workshop minutes from November the 1st. Is there a motion to accept all three? Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Those three passed by unanimous vote. Special recognition. Dr. Owens? Yes. Uh, tonight with us we have our Educational Support Professionals of the Year who have uh, recently been honored. If I could have Mrs. Bunting approach the podium and uh, Mr. Layford, if you could join me out front for the recognition. Good evening. The Educational Support Professional of the Year program recognizes the outstanding service by educational supports professionals who provide direct or indirect service to our students and our families. These exceptionally dedicated, knowledgeable, and skilled employees serve in a positive, supportive, and professional role to increase the effectiveness of our educational initiatives for all of our students. Quite simply, they are the backbone of our schools. They're the unsung heroes who go about their business every day to make sure that things go smoothly for our students and their families. Each school selected one nominee to represent their building, and then as a district, we selected one overall nominee to represent the Indian River School District in the statewide campaign. As I call your name, I'm gonna ask that you come forward and also the administrator in your building come forward so that you can be recognized. <coughs> Sylvia Baker, Data Support Specialist at IREC. Lynn Baker, paraprofessional at Long Neck Elementary. Ashley Bennett, paraprofessional at Lord Baltimore Elementary. Jamal Bivens, student advisor at Indian River High School.
Eddie Bowen, bus driver custodian at Millsboro Middle School. Lenny Brittingham, paraprofessional at Georgetown Middle School. Chris Budesheim, Behavior Support Paraprofessional at Howard Tiena School. S.Q. Hodge, Chief Custodian at SDSA. Amy Johnson, paraprofessional at Selbyville Middle School. Colette Spady, secretary at East Millsboro Elementary School. She could not be here this evening, so we'll ask that her principal come up and accept on her behalf. Let's give it Cassie Queen, paraprofessional at John M. Clayton Elementary School.
Randy, Mer Randy Ramirez, student liaison at Sussex Central High School. Mr. Ramirez could not be here this evening. We'll ask that Dr. Layfield accept on his behalf. Tara Richards, paraprofessional at Philip Shaw Elementary School. She could not be here this evening. We'll ask that her principal accept on her behalf. Maria Rodriguez, paraprofessional at North Georgetown Elementary School. Dan Shively, Chief Custodian at the Early Learning Center. Mr. Shively could not be here this evening, so we'll ask that Dr. Hickman accept on his behalf. And the overall Indian River School District Educational Support Professional of the Year, Ms. Gwendolyn Gillespie, paraprofessional at Georgetown Elementary School. Once again, we'd like to thank all of you for the difference you make every day in the lives of our students. Thank you. I'd ask that Mr. McCready's join us at the podium for the recognition for Selbyville Middle School's volleyball team. Mr. McCready's. Good evening. Selbyville Middle School is proud to have our girls volleyball team recognized by the Board of Education this evening. The 2021 Selbyville Middle School girls volleyball team capped off their impressive undefeated regular season, a season in which they won every set played by capturing the Central Delaware Middle School Invitational Tournament Championship. Congratulations girls.
girls and coaches, please come to the stage when I call your name to be recognized. Serenity Phillips. Talia McCray. Daisy Aguilera. Catherine Bunting. Tegan Conaway. Parker O'Shields. Lila Brown. Gianna Hawker. Brooke Lusarian. Isabel Dory. Kylie Harant. Taylor Hebner. Mason Hockman. Autumn Johnson. Tori Royster. Madeline Wiest. Carolina Macy. And Heidi Showers. And our girls are coached by Mrs. Sally Craig. Mr. Bill Cole. And Ms. Mackenzie Johnson. Congratulations, girls and coaches, on a memorable season. Now I'd like to welcome Principal Williams from Indian River High School who will recognize members of his school for the next four honors. Mr. Williams. Thank you, Dr. Owens. Uh, we'd first like to recognize we had a state champion for cross country. Unfortunately, that student could not be here tonight, but I would like to recognize her. That is Bryn, Bryn Crandall, state champion cross country Indian River High School. She's also the first athlete in school history to be a state champion in cross country, so we're super proud of her. The next category is first team all state for Indian River High School boys soccer. 
and that honor goes to Jordan Illion. Next, we have first team all-conference. Some of these students could not be here this evening because they're currently involved in winter sports, but the ones that are here, when I call your name, if you please come forward. First team all-conference, cross-country, Bryn Crandall, Chase Sims. <laughs> Boys soccer, Jordan Illion, Blake Morgan, and Dane Short. Field hockey, Emma Rowley. And girls volleyball, Cameron Ellers, Vasalia Diakos, and Maya Mumford. last category we have is first team all district these members could not be here tonight this is for the Indian River High School varsity football team they are currently watching game film preparing for Friday night state semifinal event but I would like to call their names so those students could be recognized first team all district Hayden Hall Dalton Hall TJ Burke Cliff Toomey Laron Horsey Jack Williamson Ashton Stevens Gavin Denary, Donovan Ross, and Tristan Hood. So if you see any of them, congratulations to those student athletes. .01 comes a time each night where we have uh, public comments. So we'd like to start off with public comments. First person <laughs> signed up is uh, Mrs. Molly Carter. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening. I'm here tonight to provide my monthly update on the hypocrisy and inequitable implementation of Delaware mandates. There are two mandates currently in place, one a regulation of DOE requiring masking and another requiring all employees to vaccinate or test weekly. 
DOE says the punishment for masking rests on the district, but when questioned, district office leadership would not put in writing what the final punishment was and only said, quote, we will continue to work with families. My son tested this and was placed in isolation despite being told he would be in the classroom with his friends. The other mandate on vaccination of employees, interestingly, has no such punishment. Employees are given verbal warnings and sent a letter. Don't get me wrong, I agree with minimizing punishment. I want a minimal punishment for both mandates. I've been told not wearing a mask breaks the dress code. That dress code hasn't been updated since 2016. That same dress code also states nothing is to be worn on the head of students. The board has no approved guidelines or consequences for students on masking. The language comes from district office and they call them procedures. If you want consequences, there's a proper way to implement them. Student rights and responsibilities are supposed to be provided at the beginning of the school year. Were these masking procedures provided to students as part of that at the beginning of the school year? My understanding is you plan to vote on a survey about masking tonight. You are stalling. Mr. Layfield, you told me the survey was going out two weeks ago. If voted on, that survey won't go out now until December and you'll be right up against the governor's predetermined February date. Problem solved. I'm here to tell you the problem is not solved. In August, you encouraged us to get medical exemptions, and many parents have now found a way to do so. I warned you of this and the inequity that would ensue. Two of you sitting up there right now have told me about getting your own children additional support after school because of the negative effects of masking. I wonder if all parents have the means to do that. Also on the agenda tonight is test to stay. DPH continues to make you pawns in their fight against coronavirus and they continue to hold the education of our children hostage. Now they say it's okay not to quarantine as long as you test negative. That makes sense, except that that isn't good enough. They want districts to enroll in a testing program run in schools and they want parents to sign their children up to be randomly tested. Oh, and they need mask compliance. Only then does testing negative mean you don't have to quarantine. This is such a joke. And a school board somewhere needs to say enough. DPH should be focused on proven early medical treatments that's been denied to Delawareans going on two years. Someone please make a motion tonight to make masking optional or to develop punishments for not wearing them similar to those of employees not testing. A survey isn't enough. In two weeks in October, there were three loaded guns brought to schools on Delmarva. Convince me otherwise that masking and mandates haven't done emotional and educational harm to our children. Our children are hurting and you have a duty of care. You discussed this duty at the November special meeting and I'm holding you accountable to that. I listened to all two hours of that. I wish you would do two hours on masking. Thank you. Alicia Carroll. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I'm here to speak on behalf of my daughter, who is an eighth grade middle school, middle school, I'm sorry, I'm nervous, middle school student at MMS and all the other thousands of children in Indian River School District. I noticed my daughter's depression start last year when she was isolated, remote learning. She tried to do the hybrid and she would come home upset from the mask all day, so we took her out of that. She was excited to go back to school this year because she could at least be around all of her friends. But she comes home constantly with headaches, a sore throat, she's tired, she's fatigued. We all know why that happens. It's due to lack of oxygenated blood. So as 
Molly just mentioned, okay, the governor's mandate's till February. When does it end? How long are we gonna allow this to happen to our children? All of these mandates are in place until the national emergency ends, yet that goalpost is constantly being moved. They tell us to follow the science. The science is proving that masks do not work, vaccination doesn't work, children are masked all day in school, teachers are masked, but the cases are still happening. But yet our children are suffering mentally, physically, and emotionally. So why is the government buying hundreds of millions of uh, COVID tests that can only be used under emergency authorization from Pfizer to be distributed to us until 2023. The goalpost is always going to keep moving. I encourage all of you to please pull Pfizer's uh, second quarter financials. I've been pulling them and ask yourselves, when is this national emergency really going to end? Because we're buying hundreds of millions of doses of a vaccine that can only be distributed under emergency youth authorization, but yet we have them coming to us until 2023. My child cannot be continued to be held hostage at the mercy of the school board and the government. When does it end? You know, our children are pawns and this is not fair to them. I urge all of you to really follow the money. How much money in emergency funds is this school board getting as long as the emergency is in place? Because us parents, we're not getting anything. Many of them have probably lost their jobs due to uh, vaccine mandates. It's sad. And I just implore you to really think about the kids. Think what this is going to do to them long term. Children are people pleasers by nature. We always tell our kids, when you go to school, listen to the teacher, don't get in trouble, do what you're told. So of course they're gonna wear the mask to go to school so they could be around their friends. They don't wanna be singled out. They don't wanna you know, have people talk about them, but when they come home and you can see they're tired. 15 seconds. And they're tired. And we as parents, we're tired. And we have to be their voice. Thank you for your time. Rebecca Dean. Hi, my name is Rebecca Dean. I am a mother of three. I am a first responder. I am married to a first responder. I am also a patriotic American. I had never attended a school board meeting until August of this year. This is my eighth school board meeting. I had to pick my daughter up two weeks ago because she had a headache at school. I asked the nurse if she had any data that the masks were working. She said she did not to check with Luann Hudson, which is the nurse at the Cape District, and she told me to check their website for data that masks work. I did not find any data. We all know about Molly Carter's FOIA and how the state is destroying data. I found data that masks, or I'm sorry, COVID rules are blamed for 23% dive in young children's development. It was in the dailymail.com by Alex Hammer. I have this if anyone wants it. I'm not sure when this madness is gonna end. We need it to make sense. 
I'm here to invite you all to an event that is happening this Saturday at BB Hospital. It is a peaceful protest for all of our fellow Americans to stand up for our freedom. It is from 9 to 11, and it is because of these unconstitutional mandates. We are standing up for nurses, state employees, teachers, healthcare workers, city workers, students, unions, and Americans, and your God-given rights. I hope to see you all there. Is there anyone else that would like to come forward this evening and speak? Your name, sir? Jake Bushler. I'm a teacher at a kindergarten teacher at Lord Baltimore Elementary School. Thank you. I spoke last time about my concerns over the direction I see our country, state, and education system moving. A few articles were posted about me on Facebook, and the Facebook keyboard warriors came out. Goodbye. Walk. Just get vaccinated. Stop being stupid. They didn't read the whole article. Um, I individually invited many of them to have a conversation. A big old zero showed up to talk. We got to stop being afraid to speak up. I cannot tell you how many people the last time I spoke said, thank you for speaking up. I feel the same way. I'm afraid. Um, and I understand that because you have a mob of people out there that are looking to get you. I've been protesting outside of LB before school every single day. Cannot tell you the overwhelming majority of thumbs up and honks I get. A couple other people are holding up a different finger, but that's okay. It doesn't hurt me. When we are afraid to speak up and we lose that freedom, we are going to lose our free society. A lot of people talking about the vaccines and stuff, it is your own personal choice, and we need to honor that. A lot of people said, oh, look at Jacobson versus Massachusetts, the Supreme Court case in 1905. In 1902, Jacobson did not want to get a smallpox vaccine. The city of Cambridge, Massachusetts mandated it as they were having an outbreak. It went to the Supreme Court in 1905, and they said, you have to get the shot or a $5 fine. That's about $150 in today's terms. If we keep printing money, it might be $600 by next year. But why is that important? 22 years later, this is not really taught in history, Buck versus Bell, they used the Jacobson case to justify uh, the government forcing sterilization on feeble-minded or imbeciles or idiotic people. And they did that without the consent. This was during a time the eugenics movement was in full force and gaining a lot of traction. That was less than 100, that was fewer than 100 years ago, and we sterilized over 60,000 people in America. You don't hear about that, but what you do hear about is just a few years later over the pond in Germany, a man named Hitler was doing the same thing. He just went a little bit more extreme. And I'm not saying we're going to get to that level, but people ask, how did we allow, or how did people in Germany allow that to happen? How did Americans allow that to happen? And it's not an all of a sudden process. And it's through propaganda and censorship and restricting access to individuals and dehumanizing certain types of people. Is that going on in today's society? I've had so many effective conversations with people that disagree with me, and you know what? We usually walk away with understanding a different point of view and being very respectful. But all we see is the social media and the news and memes and this polarization that is not really here in America. So some of you are probably sitting there concerned that I'm a kindergarten teacher and I'm out there. Well, here I'm going to try a different approach. We're not really letting people in school. I have amazing administrators that come into my classroom and give me feedback, and I take that, and I go where I need to. I go to other teachers that are better than me and learn what they're doing. So district employees, school board members, I'm giving you an open invite to my classroom at any time. How many teachers are going to say that? I don't care. 
I'm not going to put on some pony show. I want you to come in and see the leaders that I'm helping to create because we need that. I want parents to be able to come in and see the leaders that we're helping to create. We have an amazing district. We do. We have incredible schools. Carney, come 15, on in. 15 seconds. Joe Biden, next time you're down in the hood, come on into my class classroom. I want you to see these incredible, hardworking students. All right? That's all I need to say. Is there anyone else in the crowd like to come forward this evening? So I'm no good at public speaking. I'll probably stutter a lot, but I need to get this out there. My name is Ashley Elksness. I have a first grader in IRSD. To date, he's not experienced a normal school year, and I refuse to sit back and allow his education to be impeded by these ridiculous mandates any longer. His entire kindergarten school year, in my opinion, was non-existent as they were only in person for two days a week. He has fallen behind because of that, and this year is not much better. My son has speech therapy, which requires visual and audio prompting. I recently found out that he is fully masked along with his speech therapist during their sessions. Please explain to me how my child can sit 30 to 40 minutes in a school cafeteria with every child unmasked just to go back to their classroom to have to put their mask back on. I'm done. I, I really urge you guys to hear what we're saying because I think it's going to get much worse. Okay? That's all I have to say. My name is Kelsey Moore and I'm a student at Indy River. Um, I would just like to say that I agree with all the parents that have been talking today. Um, with a person that has severe headaches and severe anxiety and depression, this mask is not helping anybody. I know multiple children and people that have been scared of the pandemic beforehand, they don't want to wear these anymore. It's not helping in schools. And it's just not helping us. We're not focused. We're fatigued. We're tired. We, we just, we come home and we have horrible headaches. We don't want to do our schoolwork. We're only focused on these masks. We want to go outside more than stay in our classrooms. And for a kid who likes school and likes to learn, I don't want to go to school because I know that as soon as I walk in, I have to put this on again. And frankly, I walk in without one and I'm asked to put one on every day. If you ask all the administration, they always ask me to pull it up. And I'm not afraid to keep it down <laughs> because, frankly, I'm tired of wearing one. And I will keep wearing it down until we have a choice to keep it off or wear one. I'm tired of wearing one, and I will keep it off until I get my choice and my voice back. Thank you. We're beyond the 15 minutes. Do we have a motion to continue with public session? I make a motion to extend public session. There's a motion Second. for extension. Second. Seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Keep it right on going, ma'am. Hi, everybody. I'm Jen Hurd. You've probably heard from my husband, Joe Hurd. Hi, doctor. I'm a realist. You guys have been to BJ's. You've been to Washington, D.C. You've been out to dinner. 
I have a lot of my friends that work in the restaurant industry, and we have all seen you out maskless. Enough. Enough. Enough, guys. Can't we just go with an option? Ask the parents for an option, or if the child wants an option. But all of you will go into the restaurants, into the stores. I'm sorry, was it Milton Theater me and my husband were just at? And one of the principals was also there. Maskless. Enough is enough. We had enough. I don't know what else to do. I don't know who else to beg. Do we have to get on our knees to this board? Is that what we have to do? My kids don't deserve this. If it was anyone that had little kids like we do, you guys would be so disgusted. But no, 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 no. What happens is, is that you have to follow your money, all your money around this table. That's what you have to follow. I'm done with your money. I think half this room is done with your money, quite honestly. We are done. Follow the science and follow the money. Stop walking in the BJs. Stop going out to restaurants. Stop going to bars. Stop going to Washington, D.C. I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to be disrespectful. I honestly love this district. We moved here from Jersey. We found this district because we love this district, this area. You're making me hate it. You're literally making me hate it. I'm done with crying about you people, too, to be quite honest. Step up. Please, please, we're begging you. Step up. Thank you. How you doing? Richard Morin, Kelsey's dad. Just tonight, I can prove to you that this is not anything of a significance of this. Tonight, you're all wearing masks. Everybody's just standing around, distancing from each other. But when we did the awards, every one of you shook their hands. Literally shook their hands. That's passing this virus, correct? The hypocrite needs to stop. Masks in the CDC, I'm from FEMA, don't work. The CDC has plainly spelled it out, masks don't stop this virus. All we're doing is making these children sicker because their immune system is not being developed. This is coming from FEMA, a federal government test site. It's what they do. We need to stop and allow these kids to grow up and have a good immune system to fight off regular colds and viruses. Thank you. Thanks for letting me speak. Um, I really didn't have any intention of speaking, but all these brave souls have given me um, encouragement here. So. Uh, I want to say that I have two teenagers here at Indian River, and if they weren't athletes, they're actually on that football team and got honored here tonight, I would be homeschooling them. They have never been sicker this year in all their lives. Their attendance record is horrible. They don't want to go to school. They're complaining of headaches. They have shortness of breath. 
they have been late more days than they've been on time. I think it's about delay. Mom, I don't feel good. I originally came here because of the mask mandate thing. I'm obviously in opposition. But when I got some information from Molly regarding the school antigen testing program, I have a lot of problems with that. So this testing program is only going to be available from 4 to 7 at night. That's usually when we eat dinner. I don't want to be driving my kids to some testing site so they can go to school the next day. It's also, um, according to the outline that is on your agenda, vaccinated children are exempt from this testing program. What? <laughs> Why? Because vaccinated people can get it and give it. What's the difference? You're, 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 you're making two different types of people here. The vaccinated and the unvaccinated. The masked, the unmasked. You are instilling fear. My mother-in-law would not go to Thanksgiving dinner this year because of COVID, God forbid. I, I mean, you are making people scared out of their minds. And God forbid if I had a three or four-year-old, I hear stories from my friends who have grandchildren all the time, how it breaks their heart to see them to go to school in a mask. It's, it's not right. It's not right. We have 100 kids as of November 2nd out of 77,000 with positive COVID cases. And we're doing this? Really? No, it's not good. Let's see. Um, oh, I also feel that this testing program is just another way to force kids to get vaccinated. Because who wants to drive their kid to a testing site five, six days in a row so they can go to school the next day. <laughs> Some people are just going to be like, ah, I'm going to get you vaccinated. Five, six, seven years old. Sorry, there has not been enough testing done on these vaccines. I'm not getting it. I won't leave this country if that's what it means. My kids are not getting it. That's it. Is there anyone else that would like to speak in public session? We so apologize, sir. We don't normally comment. But if you stick around, the agenda has us speaking about the math, sir. Likely. Six point oh one school choice applications, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two school year. Good evening, everyone. On your board docs tonight, you will find a total of eight school choice applications. Uh, these applications have been reviewed by the building principals and also reviewed by the building administration at IREC, uh, Dr. Owens and Mrs. Blander. And we are asking to accept all eight of these applications. And they are all priority number ones, which are returning students. Is there a motion to accept school choice applications? Motion to accept. Moved. Motion Second. made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. 6.02, class size waiver, fiscal year 2021. Yes, thank you. In board docs, you have a memo uh, for the board with regard to class size waiver. This is an annual process that we must look at. As you are aware, Delaware Code 14, subsection 1705A requires class sizes in kindergarten and grades 1 through 2 through three 
not to exceed 22 students. As of the last day of October, the local school board may waive this requirement after voting at a public meeting notice for that purpose. And as you'll see in board docs, four of our elementary schools have exceeded the 22 students. Uh, typically that is one or two students in excess and we are not able to generate an additional class. Uh, in talking with Mrs. Dorman, our director of elementary education, those classes do receive additional support from our staff members within the schools. Uh, so if you have any questions, myself and Mrs. Dorman are here uh, to address those questions. If none, this does require board action tonight. So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Is there any further discussion or questions? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Aye. Mrs. Troublefield, will you please hold the board? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Mr. Cathal? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. You say yes? Yes. Okay. Mrs. Pryor? No. Dr. Statler? Yes. Seven yes, one no, zero abstentions. Passes by majority vote. 6.03. Quiddell and Tess to stay. Yes, you did hear some of our public comments tonight in reference to Quiddell and test to stay. We have talked about this previously uh, with regard to testing of students within school. Uh, as you are aware, DPH and Department of uh, Education recommend weekly testing for unvaccinated students and staff as a mitigation strategy. A few highlights regarding this weekly testing, according to these organizations, is it's used to identify people who have the virus, that cause COVID-19, including those without symptoms. Quiddell Healthcare Professionals, as we've discussed in the past, can come into our schools and administer rapid antigen COVID-19 testing, which will provide tests within 10 minutes. This is a nasal swab uh, testing procedure, uh, and we've talked about in the past that is an opt-in service. If the rapid test comes back positive, a follow-up PCR test would be given and the sample sent to a lab. Students would be required to have parent or guardian consent, as we've discussed. If Quiddell is on site, and we've uh, talked about this too in previous board meetings, they will offer weekly testing for <coughs> interested students that also have testing, and, we all, and there is also testing for the unvaccinated staff members. There's no cost uh, associated with this. However, they are coming into the schools and providing those tests for staff and or students who have enrolled. Uh, as I've said previously, um, in order for our staff to take advantage of this per Quiddell, we have to also offer this to, we first must offer this to our students. The Test to Stay program is a new program and I'll let uh, Mrs. Blanner, she's done some research on this. This was released last month and we, uh, it's prudent to share this option with the board as well. Yes, this is an add-on program that's offered by Quidel for families who commit to the weekly testing for their children. In addition, this program would be also offered to staff who were engaged in the weekly testing program through Quidel. Test to Stay allows those students and staff members who may be identified as a close contact due to exposure to a positive case to be able to attend school daily <laughs> 
provided they are tested daily and receive a negative rapid result. So rather than quarantining those individuals, they would have the opportunity to go to a testing location. Testing would be offered 4 to 7 p.m. <coughs> daily. There would be a northern location and a southern location in the district. And then the test um, to stay program would, again, provide those results daily, which would eliminate the need to quarantine provided there was a negative result. If at any point in time that result became positive, the quarantine would go into effect within that 10-day window. But again, this um, add-on program would only be available to students and staff who participate in the weekly testing program. I don't have the dollar amount for that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. no no cost to the district. Yeah. And again, to, to to date, it's no cost to the district. And to date, we have not elected to participate in the Quidel program. We thought it prudent to bring the information back to the group, given the test to say new program option. But I think it's pretty strong to say that somebody's paying for it, and these companies are profiting. It's yes. no cost to the district. But yes. trust me, this grant or the government is paying some company that's profiting from this. So correct. Yeah, so there's, I understand there's no right. cost to us, yeah. but don't, don't think we're cheap that we don't understand what's happening. To, to be clear, this is not an Indian River School District program, just to make sure everybody understands. This is coming down from the Department of uh, Health Social Services. This is another government strong arm for our citizens. Uh, I'm not anti-vax, for vax, get vaccinated if you want, I'm vaccinated, I don't mind telling you. Wear a mask if you don't want to wear a mask. But this is, to me, when you're talking about people that like to uh, talk down or, or mention about non-discriminating, this whole program creates nothing but discrimination. Mm -hmm. It says that if you're <clears throat> vaccinated, you don't have to take a test. Mm -hmm. So now we've separated families that decide to get vaccinated from those that don't decide to get vaccinated based on their own religious and medical beliefs. We've also, in this program, we're going to be dividing people among, and I will say, economic guidelines. We have a number of kids that go home to nobody in the household Who's going to take them to go get tested? Who has time to go get their child tested every night for five nights in a row? With gasoline, as much as it is, some families can't afford to be driving their kids to go get tested. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but it's reality for a lot of people. I think this is a ridiculous program, and it's, it's basically a strong-arm attempt on the state to force vaccination to children for families who see it as the easier option out than try. And by the way, Florida, uh, I think two months ago, their uh, Surgeon General in the state of Florida made it so anti-symptom uh, anti, uh, uh, children do not have to quarantine. Right now, Florida has the lowest positive COVID cases per capita in the country. It's based on 
strong arm. It's not based on uh, science. I'm not in favor of uh, a group <clears throat> coming in and blindly just testing the school. I know that kids have to sign up, but if they don't, here's again, if you don't sign up, you don't get to participate. You then have to go home and quarantine. You don't even get to be part of the program if you don't sign up. How many parents don't get proper notice? How many parents don't speak proper English can understand what it is that they're asking to sign up for? There are many problems in this coming down from the state. All right. One of the well-spoken, Mr. Fritz, thank you. I've sent many notices to Dr. Rattay asking her to clarify why the unvaccinated needed to be tested when the vaccinated can just as easily get this and pass it on, which has been proven throughout the United States, that just because you're vaccinated, yes, you may stand a better chance of living if you get the disease, but as far as passing it on to other people, it doesn't happen that way. You still pass it on. So if we're going to be testing people, test everybody. And they absolutely refuse to respond. I have not had a response from Dr. Rattay now in months. She basically ignores what we're doing and we're talking about following the science. The science says that whoever you are, no matter what, you're going to pass it on. Either test everybody or knock it off. Um, I personally uh, do not believe that we should be in the testing business and that this is not a good move for us. And uh, for all the reasons that Mr. Fritz brought out, which are more detailed than mine, um, I don't think this is a good idea. I will not be voting for it. Neither will I. <clears throat> I agree with what's being said. It, it's kind of like the, the worm in front of the fish here. Yep. It's only available to the students and staff that sign up first. Right. It seems like this idea to stay in school or to, to test to stay might be a viable option for some people. I can tell you from experience. I have a young lad at home that was quarantined. Fortunately, my wife or I were able to take off to stay with him. Mm -hmm. No symptoms, no anything. Missed a football game, missed several practices for nothing more than sitting next to another child that was positive at lunch. Now that wrecked things for about a week. We moved on, we were not happy with it. But did you know that that happened to a, the first week of school at Sussex Central High School, 125 students were quarantined based upon exposure to COVID. The numbers that I heard out of those 125 that were quarantined, and they tested positive, Zero. Right. So we're trying to get students back to school to get back to a regular lifestyle. We're mandating masks. We're following the governor's mandate as per it's written. And those students had to take off from school that period of time for precautionary measures. And zero were positive. 125 families wrecked their first week of school. And that, that's the only data that I have with one week at one school. I don't know what the total statistics are, but it's crazy that they're doing this and forcing mm -hmm. us through it. So, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this test to stay program thinking it, it's something we might be viable, but it's not because they're mandating that it's only for students and staff to participate. So from a family that's experienced this at least one week this year, it's a wreck. My father um, had a 10th grade education, succeeded a lot in life, and dad had a saying, dad had a lot of sayings. And one of them was, sounds good if you say it fast, okay? And quite frankly, a lot of what the government is saying right now sounds good if you say it fast, but if you take time to dig into it, it's not really all that terribly good. And my dad, the 10th grade educated Army Sergeant, had more common sense than half the people in Dover. Doc, 
My dad's the same, and he would always say, figures don't lie, but liars figure. And I think there are a lot of people not telling the truth that are presenting this data and then destroying the data. Yeah. So the problem is, is that most school districts in the state will go along with this because they just go along with it. They don't think for themselves. And it comes a time when a school district needs to stand up and put an end to all the craziness and the hypocrisy that's going on uh, in the state and around the country. I'm not in favor of going along with the program. I also would question, what if we don't send kids home? What's the state's gonna do? They gonna, are they physically gonna come down and close buildings? Great, let's get the news over here and report it. Ms. Blannard, I know we interrupted you as you were going through, if you wanna continue on with the presentation. That was basically the end of it. Just an update on the test to stay program. Any more questions from the board? This was a discussion item, but there's an action item. Are they wanting us to take action to move forward with this? It's available for action if the board wanted to. Is there a motion to move forward with this? Dr. Program? Owens, can you, can you just repeat something you said earlier? And I know, I know what the answer is. I just want to make sure everyone else hears. This company, Quidel, we're not allowed to have them come in and just do testing for our staff that are unvaccinated that must submit to weekly testing. <clears throat> the only way they'll come in is if we allow them to test students too. That's correct? correct. Mm -hmm. And this is state funded. That would be state funded to have them come in. Mm -hmm. And that's the only option we have. We don't have the, another way or option of having a company come in to test staff. That's state, <coughs> that is state funded. Correct. That's correct. correct. I'm, I guess I answered my own question, putting words in your mouth. I just want to make sure everyone out here understands exactly what uh, you're dealing with uh, when it comes to to this matter. There. That was the initial deadline. However, if there was interest after that deadline, they would consider it. So that was an in initial deadline to try to secure interest from districts. Is there a motion for the Indian River School District to move forward with this program? Hearing none, is there any further discussion? In our silences, our action 6.03. We're moving on. 6.04. <laughs> Mask mandate and parent survey. Yes, thank you, Mr. Layfield. We have had some interest in surveying our families with regard to the interest in maintaining the requirement for uh, the masking as has been in place. We have drafted some language here for the board to consider uh, a survey. Um, We've looked at this and, and when we've done surveys, we typically send them out for a week, uh, week time, three times, and we do have the ability for uh, us to resend a survey if there isn't a response. Uh, some of our draft language, I believe we've included that in your board documents that you have here, but I will read uh, how we feel this could go out, but certainly open to suggestions. This is an important survey from the Indian River School District for families. 
since the beginning of the school year, the district has, an op has been operating under a regulation from Governor Carney that requires all individuals kindergarten age or older to wear face coverings in Delaware public schools. The governor recently extended this requirement until February 8th. Once the requirement ends, the Board of Education is seeking input from parents and guardians on face covering protocols in IRSD schools. Please take a moment to complete this short one question survey and the survey would entail uh, what face covering protocols should the Indian River School District implement in its schools? Press one if you believe face coverings should continue to be required for all <coughs> students and staff in IRSD schools. Press two if you believe face coverings should be optional for students and staff at IRSD schools. And press three if you have no preference. Okay, um, thank you to the district for doing this. Um, we were asked tonight to vote on mask, no mask, but given the fact that the governor got all upset with us over voting no confidence, and it came out as a FOIA in order to follow proper uh, protocol, if you will, I think having a survey like this is good. It'll give us an understanding of where our parents and staff stay. Um, and then based on the results of this, I'm hoping we can get this done by you know, December, the December board meeting, at which point if we are going to vote on a mask, at that time it should be placed into the agenda. I don't know that we can do it legally any other way. All right, and that has to do with the structure um, and with what they did to us on the no confidence vote. Okay, but I do think that something like this to see where all the parents stand, and I certainly know where these folks are gonna stand. Okay, um, but I think it behooves us to, uh, to send out something like this. So to add, to add to that, I know there's a lot of parents in here right now who would love to hear a vote be taken this evening, and I'm one of them. However, understand how workings of organizations, political organizations, school boards, how they work, legalities, I think the proper way is to do a survey have it back in time for the December board meeting. Uh, and then if there is to be a vote, have it listed on the, uh, I'm repeating what Dr. Hattier has said, but again, it's not that some of us, and I don't speak for anybody other than myself, it's not that I wouldn't want to move faster. If I had my way, we wouldn't have had them on all, all school year. Correct. Um, <clears throat> but it's working within the guidelines of the law and, and the proper way of, uh, of doing of doing things. Um, you've got more friends up here than you have enemies, that's for, for sure, so don't think that uh, you're not being supported or that there's pushback. And, and, and this would go on either side. I think a survey is important no matter how you feel on masks. A survey, the constituents, I represent my constituents, I don't represent Governor Carney or the Department of Education. It's important to hear from the constituents on this. Uh, and I think a survey is a very smart thing to, to do. Right, one, one of the problems we have with this is the absolute climate of raw fear that has been created. As one of the speakers tonight pointed out, there are things that we can be doing, not a single one of which is listed on the Delaware website for COVID. The only thing they list is masks and, vac masks and vac uh, vaccinations, neither of which um, particularly work well to prevent the spread. They might increase your life perhaps. Okay, but the, the government, the news media, and everybody else has created such a climate of fear about all of this that instead of saying, hey, here are some things that you can do, 
you know, hear what are the real risk factors are, who is it really affecting, who is it not, breaking it down. The general public is not stupid. The general public can understand that if you're over a certain age, you're overweight, diabetes, heart disease, you're in a high risk group. The public needs to be told what the actual uh, death rates and other rates are for children, which are minimal, and do fit in basically with the standard flu profile for which over the years we've done nothing. On average, we lose between 400 and 800 kids a year to flu, and yet nobody does anything about that. And right now, the, uh, the COVID numbers seem to be in that range, okay? Um, so the numbers that we get back on any kind of a uh, survey will reflect some of that fear, and we need to be aware of that, but still, we need to know what the general public feels. So I think that the survey is a good idea, and then put it up for a vote. And also to reiterate, the current regulation was passed by the Department of Education and not by the actual governor himself, even though we know it was at his suggestion for the Department of Education to do so. That regulation was temporary and was set to expire, I believe, December the 8th. Um, it was a four-month how the code reads, reads in Delaware. It's a four-month temporary regulation. We already know they had no intention of letting it expire December the 8th because in my discussions with the, uh, um, well, let me just say my discussions with DOE and also some other news that has gone out to staffing, they immediately say it's going to expire in February. No, it expires in December. And they already are going to extend it, so they're extending it to February, to the February 8th date. Is maybe this test-to-stay program a bridge to get to kids not having to wear masks? Uh, is, more or is more vaccination uh, a, uh, a bridge to get kids not to wear masks? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I tend to hope to try to have faith in people, including those in, in government. Um, I think we just need clear, we need clear communication. What's the goal line? What's, what's the goal posts? Do we get to February 8th and then what happens at that, at that point? Um, again, I think this board can only act if it gets data and information from the constituents that it represents. At that point, I have no problem in acting. Mm -hmm. And I, I disagree with the survey. Um, our constituents publicly elected us to represent them, to make tough decisions. This is a tough decision. We as a board, you, not unanimously, um, overwhelmingly majority voted as a no confidence for the mask mandate. We're elected, why don't we make the tough decision now on what we feel? Why do we have to get, wait for the survey when we are elected to make that tough decision? Well, that is a good point. Um, in either event though, we would still have to wait till the next board meeting to post it publicly, to make sure that we do it legally, and that the Attorney General doesn't smack our wrists afterwards like he did last time. Let's 
let's define what we've done so far. We moved our August board meeting outside so we didn't fall within the parameters of the governor's mass mandate, smiling the whole time. We took those votes, 9 to 1 and 10 0, unanimous vote, basically in the confidence of the governor's mandate, not the governor, the governor's mandate, correct. And then a petition to have them modify it was basically summarizing our votes. FOIA requests came in, saying that we, they filed a FOIA request because we didn't uh, notify properly. Though we felt it was defined in what we had on our agenda, they wanted more sp specificity. So that was filed. The Attorney General's office had a certain amount of days to complete that. They missed that deadline, and this school board was notified of the Attorney General's opinion within about an hour and a half before we were start to start the next board meeting. If we were to have spoken about the Attorney General's ruling in opposition to us, we again would have been in violation. So we have been, this might be happenstance, but I'm sorry, these are, these are certain things. There's a coincidence going on here, time after time after time. So I, I, I agree. One thing I want everyone to be on the lookout for as we wait for this survey so we can make a more informed decision in this December board meeting, whether it be for to go with or against the mass mandate, sports. You're watching sports be played all over the country. Each state handles it differently. Right now our poor wrestlers in the state of Delaware have to wear a mask if they wrestle within the school. But pay attention, pay attention, because the Beast of the East is one of the largest tournaments on the East Coast for wrestling. It is being held at the University of Delaware. And they've already applied for a waiver. They will wear their mask. But when they step on the mat, they will take them off because it's not a Delaware school and it's not going to fall under the IAA rules. So watch what's going on. The Can hypocrisy, you the science behind that, the, please? The hypocrisy is getting ready to happen. So not predicting this, just saying, hey, pay attention to what's going on because you're getting ready to see hypocrisy at its finest. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm going to be at the Beast. I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to enjoy those wrestlers from all over the country, out of state coming in, not wearing their masks. But yet, if we had the exact same function in any high school in the state of Delaware, they're going to have to wear their masks. So it, it's, it's happening. Watch it. It's different rules for different folks. But we've, this summarizes what we've done so far. So I'm, I'm in favor of the survey going out to help make, make us an even more informed decision in December when we can put it on the board to take a vote. Agreed. And when Dr. The survey Owen, can I just add that in the interim message, um, could we amend the language and take out once the requirement ends? Yeah. I, I don't know that this was a final draft. Correct. Just no. a draft. Okay. Because there's a couple of changes maybe we should discuss. Actually, good, that's a good great point, idea. Dr. I like it. Mm -hmm. That is When the results come in, <laughs> if it's one vote for or against, is that the final say? One vote or a 10% swing either way? Or what are we looking for? Our plan was to get this out as soon as we can, give ample time for the community. And by the way, I, I also would survey our staff. I think our, we need to Absolutely. survey our, our staff as well. 
Okay, um, I have a request there too. Is there any chance that you can break these down by voting district as to which district supports or doesn't? In um, other words, not an overall number? <laughs> I don't think we can do that, Doc. Uh, I can look into that. Oh, come on, computers can do anything. <laughs> I trust our tech guys. Figure it out. Yeah, you. <laughs> I think we can break it down by school. by school. So that would kind of... Fine. Yeah. I think the break it down by school. That's close enough because that basically will put it more or less and give us an idea of which district supports what, where, and when. It's at least a start. Besides, I think they can break it down by di by whatever. But so to come back to Mr. Peden, um, I would bring the, the, the raw data back and give you the numbers. We can break it down by school if, if that's what we'd like and share it out and then the board would need to discuss um, the path forward after that. And I would also request that when those numbers come in that they be released to us a little bit earlier than the school board meeting so we have a chance to digest it rather than sitting um, here and uh, you know taking up a lot of time. Give us at least a chance to take a look at it. So I heard Dr. Statler request, which I agree with, take out I do too. the once the requirement ends part. Yes. That leads, in, that leads to an expectation, mm -hmm. which I don't think we should be putting out one way or the other. Mr. Well, Bean. One more concern I have, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, recently there was a classroom with masked students. One student had trouble keeping the mask up and was um, diagnosed with the COVID. So the entire classroom had to quarantine. With this survey, if we elect, get a majority saying we have no confidence in the mask and we elect not to mask against CDC guidelines, could we also go against CDC guidelines on quarantining because if there are some COVID cases, mm. that could wipe out the entire school quarantine-wise. Yeah, you're, you are correct. We did recently have that at one of our schools. And the current guidance right now that we've been given, and we have a DPH liaison that we communicate with, is if the students are unmasked, and in this particular case, the student had difficulty keeping the mask up, thus all the students within his close proximity needed to be quarantined. So to answer your question, the current guidance is if, if there is an unmasked student uh, for a significant period of time within close proximity, those students would be considered close, pro close contact and would need to quarantine. That's the current guidance, but the current guidance also says wear masks. If we're doing away with guidance on masks, can we do away with guidance on quarantining? That would be... okay. A discussion of the board. Great question, actually, probably not for the reason you, you brought it up, but isn't it true now that we have some kids with medical exemptions that are being allowed into the regular classroom? That's correct. Okay, yeah. so those kids coming in, the kid catches it from his grandmother, comes in, and the rest of the class, um, now they're wearing masks, so technically um, they, they would be exempt, right? And, and not have to be quarantined. Which again brings up the hypocrisy of the fact that it doesn't work, okay? But I do, I do have a question along the lines of what Mr. Pete is saying, and I think you bring up a good question. I'd, right now, if everyone in that classroom is masked or unmasked, and a student is positive in that classroom, the exact same rules apply, am I correct, with quarantining? 
if, the, if, if there's one student with the mask down that is COVID positive and 31 other, excuse me, 25 because we just signed this waiver, 25 other students in the classroom have their mask on, they're all quarantined, am I correct? So, so if, the, if the student who is unmasked is symptomatic yes. in that space for a long period of time, typically longer 15 than 15 minutes, minutes there will be often a decision made by DPH that we contact for those situations to quarantine the entire class. Even though those students, all the other students were masked? Correct. It depends, it, they base it on the amount of time that that class spent together with a student who was unmasked and symptomatic. And typically we consult with them and they make the decision and we have followed their guidance to date. I know that doesn't answer your question, but that's the protocol we've followed thus far. I know I'm not the only one seeing the uh, idiocy, ridiculousness of this. The one child doesn't have a mask, 30 do have a mask, yeah. and the one child six, the 30 with masks have to quarantine. So the very guideline proves that the masks don't work, because I'm, otherwise I'm a, why would you be quarantining yeah. the whole class? Yeah, it's good. You know, I heard someone say the other day, it's like, I got to wear my winter coat to keep you warm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And at some point, whether it's us or somebody else, somebody's got to say, enough. You know what? You want to quarantine, you physically come down and take them. That and at some us. point, We've the parents, at some point, if, I'm, if my, my daughter's not in the district any longer, but at some point, Hawker, Gray, Pettigen, Briggs, King, these all people, I don't think they're being contacted enough by people in the audience, by parents. If my child has to quarantine and had a mask on and has to quarantine because someone didn't have a mask on, there'd be no way. Absolutely no way. These politicians, their phone should, should not be stopped ringing if you really feel the way that you do, and the governor's office included. Pressure has got to be put on somebody in Dover more than just here at this level. So there's no action to be taken tonight, am I correct? We've, we've discussed this, but there's no action to be taken on the mass mandate other than the parental survey. Right. We, parental we, wanted, survey. we wanted feedback on the survey and you've provided that, yeah. I'd like to make a motion that we do the parental survey as amended by Dr. Statler. Are, I second that. Are we, are we still working on other amendments to it, or is it a final? Because I, I, I still have a concern. We're kind of hypocrite ourselves. If we're doing away with one guidance, why can't we do away with the other? Again. That That's one of the re main reasons why I voted against or for the mask mandate, so we don't have to quarantine many, many students. So if we do away with masks, and the guidance of CDC, why can't we do away with the quarantining guidance from the CDC so you don't wipe out huge populations of students? I'm all for it. Well, actually, we could do that too. Um, either way, we can't vote for it tonight. Um, either no, but way, could we that have be to drafted be put on the board agenda for next well? time. And that's a reasonable question under the circumstances, but they are separate questions. They're not the same. Mr. Peden, I think the thought process was to make this survey as simplistic as we could with a solo question, but I, 
simplistic for a complicated problem, and I, I'd like to get it done right the first time. I don't disagree with getting it done right, and that's, I think we continue to discuss this. I mean, you're bringing up good points, but I just know the simplicity of a single question was something we were trying to right. accomplish with it. So let's continue the discussion. So Rodney, can we keep the survey simplistic as is here, following the guidelines and suggestions of Dr. <coughs> Statler, and then have two separate votes next time? One to do away with the masks and one to do away with the quarantining as Dr. or as Mr. Peden has suggested. Can that be two separate votes? I, I apologize for my ignorance, but how are we as a board going to influence the quarantine? Because we don't quarantine anyone. It is the state of Delaware that does the quarantining. We, though we may disagree it but isn't, vehemently. Isn't right. it the state that also mandates the masks? I believe, Doctor, Mr. Layfield, I believe the state is depending upon our cooperation to participate. Yes. In both the mask mandate and providing them yeah. information? I believe that's the case. Dr. Owens, I would say in your question, do we say Governor Carney requires under regulation for Governor Carney because technically the regulation was passed by the Department of Education. I've made that adjustment on here. Okay. And I would also, before the word regulation, put the word temporary. I'm sorry. Where were you requesting that? <clears throat> uh, before the word regulation in the second sentence, district has been operating under a regulation. I would put an operating under a temporary regulation. All right, if we make that change, I have to withdraw my motion and then go for the new motion, correct? <laughs> correct. I'm pretty sure that's what has to happen. Withdrawing your motion. I'm going to withdraw my, my motion um, and then we've got some modifications on the table so yeah we I'll, got some modifications we, we can't vote yet. So I want to uh, get it clear. President Layfield you said yourself the first week of school so many kids had to quarantine. Yes. Zero tested positive. Yes. So once again, if we're doing away with masks, why not do away with the quarantining because it, there's such little small spread, according to the science, as people say. I'm still not bought into the fact that the school controls the quarantine. Do they control the masks? That's the issue that we're trying to hone down on right now, and I think that is out of the if two. If you do away with one, why can't you do away with the other? you may or may not be able to. I am focused on the mandate more so than the quarantine because the quarantine I feel is coming from the state and I could be wrong. Okay. The, the question is one thing. If we have a question about whether it's a mandate to do a quarantine, okay, and we have till next month to do this one way or the other, call somebody and find out what the legal definition is here to see what we can or can't. They're going to quarantine the breath out of us when we decide that. not to wear this. 
but I think it's a valuable opportunity for us to get away from these. I do too. But I think the consequences are they're going to quarantine the breath out of us. I would also... But only if we let them. See, the, the, numbers, the numbers of people in favor of a topic usually don't grow until more people are affected by that topic. Parents now who don't have to have kids quarantine aren't involved in the fight. If they start having their kids be quarantined, even though they're wearing a mask, then those parents may find it the need to get involved in the fight and start contacting the people in Dover. That's where change occurs. I don't know, 50% of the board members have children in the school, and out of those 50%, 50% of them, or at least at this table, have had their kids home quarantined. All right. So it's going to be just you know, frustrating for the same group. I just, I don't think we, I apologize, my opinion is I don't think we control the quarantines, but I think we have more of a say on following the mass mandate, and that's, that's what I'm focused on. You bring up a great point, Mr. Beaton, but I'm not going to lose sight of what I think is a goal of this board, and that's to work our way away from these. Though you bring up a I, I agree, but I think that's the easy way out. Okay. Like I said, we can find out the answer to that question between now and next month, and either way, we can't vote on it today anyway. Dr. Owens? We can only discuss it. I'll look into it. We'll look into it. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Statler, would you like the word? I'm sorry. To No, the questionnaire is an action. Oh, you want to put them both on the same questionnaire. Well, I think I Mr. Peden has a valid point. It, I mean, it is listed, mask mandate, and it is an action item. So to go back to your original point, I mean, it, it potentially can be voted on. There is certainly value in the survey and the information that we would get back from that, but certainly we could vote on that tonight if we wanted to. Well, the mask mandate, I think we can vote on. The, the thing of uh, the quarantining, that's not listed. Correct. That, that would be the problem. But we should vote on the mask mandate question one way or the other. That should happen tonight. So if we vote tonight on the mask mandate, then what's the point in the survey? Correct. I'd like to gather more. I mean, I'm all for I, more. I'd like to gather more intelligence from our community before we vote on the mask mandate. Though we can do it tonight. We can, but I, I think the intent of tonight's meeting was to make a decision on the specificity of the parent survey. I think that's basically was the intent, at least the way I understood it, and I'm pretty certain that if somebody from the outside of Legal Beagle looked at it, that that's basically what they would say as well. Okay. So, so again, is, there, is there, Dr. Owens, will you read what you have for the survey? And then yes, please. I think we can get a motion to move forward. This is an important survey for Indian River School District families. Since the beginning of the school year, the district has been operating under a temporary regulation uh, from Governor Carney that requires all individuals kindergarten age or older to wear a face covering in Delaware public schools. The DOE recently extended this requirement until February 8th. The Board of Education is seeking input from parents and guardians on face covering protocols in IRSD schools. Please take a moment to complete this short one-question survey. And the questions remain the same. 
So I, I only question the first time you mentioned Governor Carney under a temporary regulation. Shouldn't that still say DOE instead of Governor Carney? Because the regulation was passed by Department of Education. I mean, I can, sure clear, I can clarify yeah. the original, and I can make sure it's accurate once we put that out. Yeah, so I mean, there's the, Governor Carney or DOE. Yeah, I mean, the, the emergency order is at the top, Department of Education, on it, and it is signed by uh, Secretary of Education, Dr. Bunning. I can get clarity on okay. that. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Is there a motion to move Don't forward move. with the parental survey as read? Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Is there any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? No. Ms. Troublefield, will you please hold the board? Mr. Castle? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? No. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Seven yes, one no, zero abstentions. Motion to move forward with the parental survey as described passes by majority vote. 6.05, the December 22nd, 2021 district calendar consideration. Yes, currently on the district calendar, we have 12-month uh, employees do report to work that day. I did have a request to uh, include this on the agenda this evening for a discussion regarding that particular day. Yes, as a token of appreciation to our 12-month employees, I would like to make a motion that the district calendar be changed to a non-work day for all 12-month employees on December 22nd, 2021. Second that. What is it currently in the calendar? Is it a day off for students? or they are already off it's a, it's a day off for students yes it's a work teachers. day for 12 month employees okay would you hear from your administration about december the 22nd i've not told them about december okay. the 22nd um some of them it is a it, it is a day that's getting close there to christmas so some of them do use leave days to take off that day so it is a not a highly attended day, especially since uh, it's a good day to take off if we don't have students in. I appreciate Ms. Pryor bringing this up. I think we value our teachers and would like to do that. My concern is that we do now that we cause the same event on Tuesday with staff not wanting to come in <laughs> with the holiday. And just a concern of mine. I'm okay with the, the direction of it, but it just it seems like when we set the parameters and we allow teachers to work through the professional development day then the following day we want off the day after veterans day then when that passes we want the day before the thanksgiving break and now we've got the day before christmas i i would like to support our staff and show them that we value them and give them time off my concern is it just seems like it's an, it's an ever-flowing motion and i know I'm comfortable with it. Holidays, holiday, give them time off. Do we start adding days in June to make up for the days we're giving off now as a uh, discussion point I've heard in the past. So just just, just some clarity. Mrs. Bunting, if you could uh, approach the podium. Monday is a um, T 
teacher work day, work from home. And per the current calendar, teachers would work from home on that day. For our, per our agreement, the following Tuesday and Wednesday, so the 21st, 22nd, those would be 12 month only report currently, so they are working from within the school. Right. The 20th is a teacher work day from home. Paras do not report on the 20th. And then the 21st and 22nd are 12 month only employees. Teachers and paras are already off on the 21st and 22nd. Students are off all that week. So with this, we're targeting the 12 month employees, ma'am? Only 12 months, yes. Okay. There's a motion made. Is there any further discussion? Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. No further discussion. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you, Mr. Breyer. 6.06, Indian River High School UTV vehicle. Yes, thank you. At our recent committee meetings, we've uh, the last two months we've talked about a UTV vehicle for Indian River High School, and I know uh, Mr. Williams has done some additional research on the availability of those vehicles and uh, he's prepared to share those. And I believe in your board docs, there's a uh, document there listing those, doc those uh, vehicles and pricing. Yeah, good evening. Uh, in your board doc, the first five uh, vehicles listed were presented at the last board meeting in October. They were the original ones that we came to board and asked for. They were more of the golf cart, electric, and gas-powered uh, vehicles. Upon the request of the board from October, I was asked to get additional quotes on UTV vehicles, which is sort of a step up from the golf cart vehicles. Uh, we did reach out to several <coughs> vendors locally in the area. The four that are there to the right are were the best uh, bids and prices, and you can see there are prices there from David A. Banks, Cycle Max in Dover, Atlantic Tractor in Salisbury, and Delmar Power Sports in Salisbury. Um, we currently work with Atlantic Tractor and David A. Banks, um, so we have a good relationship with them. Based off the recommendations from the UTV, um, the one from Delmarva Power Sports, the 2022 Polaris UTV Ranger would be our recommendation. It is not the cheapest on the bid. The cheapest one is the one from David A. Banks. However, the one from Delmarva Power Sports has a few more options that the one from Banks does not. I know these are quite a bit higher than the original, which is what I shared in October because we had already sort of done some background research on this. And I'm going to leave it at discretion of the board and any questions that you may have. You have a 158-acre complex, am I correct? Correct. These battery-operated ones that were first bid on are, are nice for a few years, but there comes with a cost. I'm kind of concerned with a golf cart compared to one of these nicer UTVs. I, I believe we need quality. I think these vehicles have, have proven very reliable. I know at the Sussex Central Athletic Complex how often that, uh, that uh, vehicle that we have uh, that's painted up blue and gold is utilized on those fields. So I, I see a need and some quality. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to yep. look at it. It is more expensive, but sometimes when you buy something quality, then you need to look at it. M my question would be, maybe not towards you, but towards Dr. Owens, 
how are we going to purchase this piece of equipment? What <clears throat> monies are we? Because I know there's some dual purpose in here from the athletic complex, but also we're looking at some public safety style issues with uh, securing the complex. So I just don't know what monies we're using to purchase this. Correct. It's, it's my understanding, Ms. Smith is here with us, but it's my understanding we were using funds out of our, uh, that we had set aside for safety and security since his constables would be using it primarily, that those funds would be the ones used for the purchase. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And we do, we do not have this designated for the athletic department. This would be solely for our security um, purposes. We do have a older uh, golf cart that came over back in 2004 when the high school was built that they're still utilizing but this was really um, came to light because of security issues at, at our large complex. We set aside security monies as long as they're wi wisely used. I do think two things. I know at the uh, Capital School District, I went to a Dover football game and they have a constable vehicle for Capital constables within their school district. They have their own emergency equipment. I, that's nice. That's a, a step too far, I think, for what we have. Right. But I'm, I'm very comfortable with this. But also, my concern would be the parity for other schools that would need the same thing in the future. I don't want to start a domino effect, but at the same time, I'm very comfortable with what we're doing with this and your purchase. I just want to make sure that they, the other schools that see a need in the future, or something gets aged and has the same opportunity in front of the board. But I, I appreciate your time and attention. And you are in line with the Polaris from Delmarva Power Sports, am I correct? Okay, question Good. on that. You had said it had additional features that the other one, I'm assuming you're referring to the 570N model. Yeah, the 570N actually had doors and can be enclosed. Um, so you can, you know, use heat in there in the winter and it be closed in. The the other ones do not have that feature. They have doors, but they, they're not enclosed. You can buy kits for them to enclose them, but it does not have that. One of the things we found when we were doing this is the availability of these vehicles is very limited. So we're taking sort of what they either have in stock or have access to. Um, Delmarva Power Sports had that. They also had another one, but it was quite a bit more money. So we, we put their, the cheaper one on there. The one at David A. Banks will meet our needs. It is about $1,000 cheaper. It is green, so it's going to cost us a lot less to do any wrapping or any lettering on that vehicle. <laughs> The uh, Polaris is a blue, so we would obviously wrap that and have you know our school colors and a logo put on that to identify that as a Indian River High School security vehicle. Okay, um, one of the reasons I want to dump the masks is because the older I get, I can't hear squat anymore anyway. So, um, did I understand that the 570 comes with the doors? Yes. Okay, that's really all I needed. It has doors and it is enclosed. The Coyote also has doors, it's just not fully enclosed. Okay. I'm inclined to utilize local vendors. However, I will go with your motion to go with the uh, Ranger based upon yep. the little knowledge I have. Based on that, I would too. Thank you. And you, so, get what, you get what you pay for. And Polaris is a very reputable company that they're as well made as anything. Yep. It's going to cost you more, but you're going to get what you paid for. Yep. Yep. Basically. Is there a motion? Yeah. I have a question. Go ahead. Go ahead, ma'am. Howard, I know you had so much set aside for for your um, from safety, but how are they going to pay for the rest of it? Where's that coming from? Because this is a lot more than you had right. started with. I'll, I'll let Ms. Smith answer that. So 
from the original request, yes. However, the funds um, that we had set aside for the SRO in Georgetown are being refunded to us because there is no longer an SRO from the town of Georgetown. So we have sufficient funds to cover even the new request. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. So this will require action from the board. Is there a motion to accept the recommendation of the uh, players? So moved. Second. Motion made and second. Is there any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Thank you, Mr. Williams. Thank you. 6.07, Howard T. Ennis pool retention. Yes, uh, over the last few months, uh, we've been looking at the Howard T. Ennis pool, uh, specifically with regard to uh, once we vacate that uh, the current Howard T. Ennis location to move into our new school, which is currently under construction, uh, we've had some discussion as to whether we want to maintain the pool for either community and or our swim team use. So I've asked uh, Ms. Smith, Mrs. Kantak to analyze what that cost would look like uh, moving forward if we were to continue the maintenance of the pool. So this is for discussion tonight and I will tell you that um, uh, Campus Director Barons from Dell Tech has reached out just inquiring about where we are with this project. They are uh, obviously interested in whether we will maintain that. They will, are certainly ready to work with us, but they're anxious to hear what our path forward will be. So I asked Ms. Smith and Ms. Kansak to join us this evening to give us an update on uh, what they've learned about the pool today. So in board docs, I think you have the um, operating projections that I had analyzed um, a few weeks ago, that is based solely on past expenses. Um, and I prorated them based on the square footage of the building versus the square footage of the pool. So I don't know that they are entirely accurate as a projection going forward um, because we don't know, you know what kind of repairs and maintenance will be needed. That's certainly something that we can assess through this process, you know, what equipment is needed for the pool, the HVAC system and all of that. Um, but I took the expenses that we knew from the past three fiscal years for this analysis, um, plus the income that we had generated during that time. However, you have to keep in mind that a good year and a half of that was COVID time. So we didn't have people coming in to use the pools. We weren't selling the passes and that kind of stuff. Um, Mrs. Pryor, you had asked the question about the cost of the Sussex Academy pool. That's included in here in what both okay. the Central and Indian River Swim teams have actually paid okay. um, during those fiscal years to mm -hmm. use that pool. Um, so that's the expense information that I have based on our historical expenses. But Mrs. Kansak also has projected potential revenue sources for operating the pool. So I'll let her speak to that. I did want to, sh to say about the use, of, the use of the Sussex Academy pool by our swim teams. They do use the Howard Tiennes pool as well. So the cost that is in there is for Sussex Academy is a little less than what it would be if we used them full time because they do split their time between the two. And if I'm correct, Sussex Central High School does have someone on the swim team that does provide a donation that helps cover the cost of their Sussex Academy use. Okay. Just you know, for your reference for looking at the, the numbers. Mm -hmm. So of course with the pool, 
and the new building opening up will be able to have longer hours. So right now we are only open and we open today and it is after the swim team has completed their practice. So we would be able to be open full time. Um, and when those increase hours, one of the things that we have looked at is that we should probably analyze our membership fees in, com in comparison to other local pools because that in itself will help cover some additional costs. Um, for example, right now we're charging $40 a month um, for individuals where the YMCA charges 75, Sussex Academy charges 55 for individuals. So that would be something to look at. Um, also, since we are opening longer hours, some things that we have looked into that we want to look further into um, is special swim groups like Mommy and Me Swims, Toddler Swims, Water Aerobics. We've also had the Stokely Center reach out to us for their group homes, um, wanting to come in and swim as well, so that might be an option for us. Of course, we would continue with our swim lessons and lifeguard certifications. Um, and we would also be able to train our current lifeguards to be swim instructors. Carrie Justice completed that course this past year, so that will open up further options for us as well. Um, one thing that I, we did find out that we thought was pretty neat is that Stephen Decatur partners with the pool in Ocean Pines, and they actually allow a credit to be earned or half a credit to be earned for PE for their lifeguard certification courses that they offer there. Um, and of course, we can always continue to partner with Dell Tech with different events with them as well. So those are just some things that we would like to explore further. So our plan with this is to continue to analyze, get more information as far as revenue sources, um, what the expenses will look like, what using the building will look like, and bring that back to the Buildings and Grounds Committee um, for further discussion. So you're not recommending much action tonight at all? No. Okay, no. I can go with that. I, th I think there's a lot of what-ifs in I this do too. process. So I'm kind of waiting to see what we say at the Building and Grounds. But uh, as a person that values a pool for our students and our community, I, I, I think we discuss with Dell Tech and maybe we look at it for a year or two, continuing on. If it becomes unfeasible, then we stop. But I'd hate to see this board just decide that, hey, no, we don't need a pool and walk away from it tonight or next month. I'd like to see us give it a try. If it becomes too much of a cost, then we'll have the doc documentation to say it's not uh, economically feasible. But I think there's great value in having that pool. I can say that tonight I received text messages from Carrie Justice who was covering the pool this evening and for our first night open and just putting it out on Facebook really today we didn't have very many members come in just a couple swimmers but we had five new people stop by to request membership applications so that's always promising. Very good. Any further discussion on this? We need to take no action on this tonight because we're taking it to building the ground, am I correct? That's correct. Okay, thank you. 6.08, uh, tax relief requests. Is there any motion to move forward with the tax relief requests that was discussed in executive session? Your silence speaks volumes. 7.01, major capital planning. Yes, thank you, Mr. Layfield. Uh, with regard to the new Sussex Central High School, we are still in the design development stage with the first draft due for that design development around December 17th. 
Uh, that will then be reviewed for cost projections by R.Y. Johnson. We are still moving forward for early bid plans for site work and theater renovations with work beginning in June. Proposed plans uh, for the placement of the current modulars that are here on site. Um, those units and middle school ball fields will be presented at the December Buildings and Grounds Committee meeting for our discussion. It was also learned that the $2.4 million cost for the new Ennis space was included in DOE's recommended recommendations for the governor's proposed budget, as well as some market pressure money for several of the state's district major cap projects. Market pressure monies for other schools. They uh, submitted a market pressure uh, <coughs> fund for all state projects. So we would hope that we would be included with that market pressure since we have a current project. So um, we, that is, and Joe, you can speak more to that if you'd like, but we submitted what we feel would be some of our necessity <laughs> items and DOE has submitted that, that for consideration. Uh, I think I'm correct in saying this, but DOE asked uh, that the governor include $29 million for several district projects. We had to contact them to find out just how much of that $29 million uh, would be earmarked for Sussex Central. And it's my understanding that $13 million of that would be earmarked for Sussex Central if it's approved. What we really need, though, is in the $20 million range, isn't it? Correct. So they're shorting us. Well, that's, that's what the proposal is. And there's also, um, and Tammy can speak to this as well, there's the local share that we would have to match with that as well. Correct. So that is currently part of that projection, which is concerning. So if the 13 would be approved, we would have to uh, implement the match to that. Yeah, it's six, under 60-40. Yeah. And how would we do that? Would we have to go to referendum? What's the other way for us to come up money? We'd have to go into our reserves or go to referendum. So the 13 million does us no good. Educate me here. Well, I think um, the legislation's not, uh, the governor hasn't proposed his recommended budget. I think there's still some ongoing discussion by districts that are interested in getting money market, uh, pressure money, the same as we are. So they're still having discussions and trying to figure out whether it would be uh, back to the public or would be a local match or would be you know, just uh, passed on to the districts. So they're still having some of those discussions, but as proposed now, it has uh, in there that there will be a local share of 60-40. So 13 million, thank you. We have come up with 7 million and take it to the public. That's as it is right now. Oh, was I wrong? I have an opinion on that. So from so, the sounds of it, they're really not doing anything for us because they know that that extra $7 million is going to have to go to referendum. And is there any language that deals with that? Because if it is a capital project of that size, it has to go to referendum in order to be approved. I'm not sure. Referendums are typically about bond issuance, borrowing bond money. Um, so I'm not sure that all of that information has been finalized. There's been some verbal conversations about some other options. Um, but I don't know that anything is feasible at this point. I think we have to wait until the governor presents his recommended budget um, and then go from there and see what we can do about the local match. Um, 
sticking us again. So, so when talking with your elected officials, you may want to keep in mind that another district in this county that doesn't have to go to referendum just proposed $178 million to build a new high school. And we're locked in at about $146 million because of market pressure that we don't get to take advantage of. So remind those elected officials that they're going to vote for that proper money to build that high school, they need to come back with proper money to build this high school. Everybody. I think we work together. I think they deserve a new school. I think they deserve a new school too. Like we do. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't have any problem Great. with them getting a new high school. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but the people that are voting for it need to understand that they changed the rules on us. They changed the price on us after we already had our vote. The the calculations that they use, market pressure, inflation has occurred, but they also changed the calculation per square foot Correct. on us. Thank you for that explanation on the 13 million, okay. sir. Well, I just wanted to inform the board that it goes through the governor's recommendation and then goes through the budget process where legislators meet on the Joint Finance Committee in February. Okay. And then the final vote would be June 30th. Thank you. Okay, 7.01 or 7.02. Howard Tiamis? Yes, construction is proceeding with the delivery of roof insulation that is uh, coming in now, which we're excited about. DelDOT has approved the start of the permanent entrance construction and it is expected to have minimal impact on the Sussex Central traffic until late January when the crossover island will be installed. So we will work with Sussex Central when that does occur. The action item for this meeting is with regard to the purchase of furniture. We did have some samples set up in the back for you this evening. Uh, this information uh, is in your packet there, and Mr. Booth is prepared to discuss updates with the furniture and potential actions. Mr. Booth. Yeah, I'm just going to try to lighten the mood a little bit. It is Cyber Monday, in case you were looking at something to purchase. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, w I did have the opportunity to show all the board members uh, the proposal for the furniture that's located in the front, front of the room. All right. At the start of the new Ennis project, it was anticipated to go out the bid for the furniture to fit out the new school. After much discussion and reviewing the proposed budget, it was decided to go with the state contract for several good reasons. A quality, a dependable vendor, um, were certainly at the top of the list, but also prompt delivery expectation when the school opens. Uh, we have good reviews from GA Blanco and Sons uh, that have been on the state contract for 30 years. They met with staff, went over suggestions and needs, then they presented the samples, some of which are on display in the front, uh, to the NS staff for consideration and a first-hand look. Subsequently, they were presented, uh, we were presented with a quote and a diagram that plans out the whole school with the furniture that they are proposing. We are asking the board uh, approval for board approval tonight for the purchase now to avoid a 10% increase which they have suggested since the beginning of their proposal that the manufacturers will put into place into effect December the 3rd. The total cost is $796,449.18. It is roughly 71500 
more than our budget that we projected uh, uh, quite some time ago. The extra cost uh, can be covered by the contingency that's in our uh, building account. Uh, there will be a surcharge for freight, um, as would be the case with or without the 10% uh, that they anticipate going up. They are on the Delaware contract, uh, hashtag uh, GSS21479 furniture on all sections. They gave us assurance that the shipment would be there for the school opening. Um, what we would ask from the board um, after discussion is a motion to accept the proposal from GA Blanco and Sons for the new Ennis School Furniture at $796,499.18 um, to come from the new Howard T. Ennis construction budget. Okay, so what you're saying is that after December, we're looking at another 79000 give or take, on top of whatever they have now. That, that's correct. I mean, everybody is going up in minus. prices. We've seen it. Uh, you yeah. pretty much see that all over. Okay. Well, we're trying to beat what uh, normally is their yearly increase in price. Got it. Generally. Motion on the table. So moved. Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? I just want to... Um, Mr. Booth, I just want to say how thoughtful I think the design was. I was really, really impressed, so thank you. I was impressed also with yeah. their with their uh, approach to the matter, and uh, Mrs. Kansak's here, and she uh, was able to have the staff come down uh, during their free time to take a look at everything and see the proposal that we have before you tonight, so I was okay. impressed as well. Thank you. Good. Motion made second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous Thank vote. you. 7.03, GW Carver consent update. Good evening. Just two quick updates for you. Dr. Linda Wren, the special master for the Carver consent order, submitted her interim report to the court on November 6th. Uh, we received positive reviews for our work with the Equity Steering Committee and the success of the former stu Carver students in their current placement to date this school year. An area of focus that the report, that her interim report would like us to focus on is the high rate of discipline for some students at the secondary level. We have a plan in place to approach this with our administration and we're working on it as we speak. The second update is the Equity Steering Committee and the Community Advisory Board have been working on a draft of the community survey that's a requirement of the consent order. Um, once a draft is formalized, by these two groups, we'll take it to the Indian River School District admin, the assistant principals and principals for input, suggestions, revisions, and then a final draft will be presented to all of you. You'll be the final group that looks at it and gives comments, suggestions, revisions um, once we're done. Our timeline is hopefully we'll have a final draft sometime around the end of January. Mrs. Blanner, do you think that's accurate? Correct. Yes. We're working hard on it. Any questions? Thank you for your time. Thank you, ma'am. 8.01, building your grounds. Doc? Okay, Mr. Booth, you're up too. Okay, we'll do this together. Alrighty. Um, Howard Tiana's construction report we've done. No changes on the construction update at this point, still good? That's correct. Okay, um, the brief summary and architect report, we did talk about some design and developmental stages continuing. Um, we talked about the market pressure money, and for that one, folks, I'd like it very much if everybody simply wrote their elected officials. As Mr. Fritz commented, many people do not. We need to get to be made whole again because it's not our fault what's going on. 
Okay. IRS natural gas, is that finished now? Uh, actually, they're coming uh, Wednesday okay. to uh, start the boilers up <clears throat> with natural gas. Okay. Buildings and ground support center, dashboard's doing good. Correct. Okay. Anything on the, the GMC or the, the JMC and GM stands? We did get the delivery of the stands and their staff is putting them together. Excellent. Okay. Um, how are we doing with the uh, the HVAC CARES and ESERV cooling tower replacement? Um, I, the the um, GAPE engineering, who is our mechanical engineer on the project, is putting together a proposal uh, to put on my marketplace. Okay. Um, thank you for using somebody like GAPE. Uh, to, to do what they do best. Okay, um, Town of Millsboro contract has been deferred to the next meeting. Uh, school security grant, what's the update on that? Uh, security grant, um, on your way into Indian River High School, you saw just about a completed um, secure entrance. Uh, they're still waiting for the rails. Uh, it won't be wooden, uh, but they're waiting for the rails to be manufactured. Um, and also there was a uh, I noticed that uh, Advantech, I believe, is coming out to set up the remote control doors. And then, as I mentioned, we will be doing the uh, the carpet during the summer. Okay. All right. I think the the Ennis pool discussion um, we basically put off again, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, under new business, we had the GE, uh, sorry, Georgetown Elementary student pick up shelter quotes. Okay. Uh, yeah, we discussed that with uh, with the admin at Georgetown Elementary. They're trying to get additional quotes, as was suggested okay. at the committee meeting, before they bring it to the board. But that might be a uh, well, well. We'll learn more at the next committee. Okay, so that one's been put off. Um, ATV request we've dealt with. Truck replacement for IRSD was deferred until the next committee meeting. Um, we had a pickleball request, but they actually were trying to make a change in the. Uh, in the what they proposed to us and because they did not bring that change to the board uh, for proper discussion we basically declined to go any further with, with what they were doing on the buildings and grounds committee meeting night um, they had received a fairly large grant they were trying to include something else and then get us to make up the difference so that they could get the extra things that they wanted and what they wanted was fine, but that's not originally what they asked us about. So we asked them to come back to the board um, and represent it as it should have been done in the first place. So that's why that one was off. Okay. And that's it. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Connie. Thank you, Joe. 8.02, comprehensive school safety. Mr. Kappel. Thank you, Mr. Layfield. So as of uh, Tuesday, November 23rd, uh, the following schools, including Subbyville Middle School, Southern Delaware School of the Arts, uh, Phillips C. Shallow Elementary, East Millsboro Elementary, and North Georgetown Elementary have all completed their mandated tabletop exercises for the Omnibus School Safety Act that's implemented through the Department of Safety and Homeland Security. Um, this act is defined as each school and district through its school safety team shall collaborate with the department and have any relevant first responders to conduct at least one tabletop exercise every year and at least two lockdown intruder drills per school year. Such exercises shall assess emergency readiness as well as the effectiveness of the existing comprehensive school safety plan and shall include such members of the school safety team, first responders, and such other stakeholders as shall be appropriate. Exercises may also be utilized to identify gaps in the CSSP, assess and improve performance, test equipment, and technology, 
and develop robust community and first responder resolve to prepare for major incidents. That's all I have. Thank you. Any questions? Thank you, Mr. Kaplan. Yes, sir. 8.03, Finance. Doc? Um, finance Committee did not meet last month, but we're going to have a summation on the other items uh, when Tammy gives her report. So we'll defer it for that. Sounds good. 8.04, Curriculum. Dr. Statler. Thank you. Uh, current legislation updates, House Bill 198, which is our instruction on black history we talked about, and House Bill 318, um, which is our instruction on the Holocaust. Dr. Jerns and her team have done a really strong amount of research um, at all levels in all buildings, and we found very minimal gaps in our instruction. Um, we do have a couple of areas that we need to look at a little bit further. If um, I think over the next month or so of how we will strengthen those, and then when we come back in January, we will have some further discussion. Um, but as as far as an overall analysis, we look like we're, we're um, doing a lot in all of our grade levels at this point. Uh, the buildings are doing learning walks with our administrators. Uh, those are happening and a lot of robust information is coming out of those. Our Carver consent order we've already talked about tonight. Special education updates. We're taking a closer look at how um, uh, special education services and discipline are intersecting and developing plans for the areas of need. We've heard a lot about um, discipline as it relates to our buses. So uh, Dr. Brittingham and her team are working with Mr. Tidwell Transportation, developing a plan to address the bus issues, working with the school teams, um, and providing some professional development in the near future to our bus drivers, which we know is very much needed. Our next meeting, we will not have a meeting in December. Our next meeting will be in January, January 10th. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Stiler. Yep. 8.05, DSBA Board of Directors, no report tonight. And 8.06, DSBA Legislative. Doc? Okay, um, I had sent out a, a brief summation of just the House bills that we talked about. There's like 24 of them, um, which we're not going to go into detail tonight because the meeting's getting late enough as it is. Um, our legislators keep themselves plenty busy. Um, you know, 24 new things that may or may not relate to us that's being proposed by or discussed with DSBA is a lot. Um, I did find it interesting um, that in one of them, HB 189 for absentee ballots, they are now going to uh, suggest that a photocopy of your driver's license or ID be presented um, in order to get a ballot. Yes, you can put your jaw back up. Okay, no action taken at the moment. I saw that, Mr. Layfield. Okay, they're also talking about 178 fraudulent voting increasing the penalties. Um, the one that we were concerned about, which we did not want to pass, was HB 92. School board terms are now four years. Um, had a letter or a quick note from John Marinucci. Right now, <laughs> DSBA is preferring to uh, say that that applies to Newcastle only and not the rest of the state. We'll see what happens with that. You know, personally, we get paid a lot of money to do this, not, and for us to have to run more often, we already proved that in this district that it doesn't work, but the people upstate who had a burr under their saddle decided that they were going to shove it down everybody else's throat, so we're still trying to get that one changed. Okay, another interesting item is special education. They're changing the formulas from something like 12 kids down to 8. That's actually going to provide more units and more resources. The governor's already signed that. 
So for the other ones, the house bill number is listed there. If you have more detailed questions rather than tying us up all night to go over this, give me an email or a phone call. Okay? Thank you. Thanks for the recap, Doc. Uh, 8.07, Special Education Task Force. No report. No report? Thank no. you. 8.08, policy. Yes. Uh, Mr. Collins is not here with us this evening, but I can review uh, those policies that are up for action tonight for uh, your second read, one of which is the um, school board meetings. Again, uh, we did review this at our last board meeting, but this is our, excuse me, our last policy meeting. This is accommodations based on our ability to have virtual board meetings should we uh, have the need to have those. Those updates have been vetted with the attorney and listed in yellow. In addition, we do have a second reading for our school bus driver and school bus aid salary increases. I know um, Mr. Tidwell worked on this with Mrs. Bunting from our personnel office, and this does require us to look at the scale. However, this is policy only for this, this evening. Ms. Bunting, I don't know if you had anything else to add uh, with regard to policy EE1. Those two policies are up for second reading and do uh, we do ask for you to consider board action this evening. So moved. Is there a motion to accept? Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 8.09 IREA rep. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Good evening, school board and district administration. My name is Jason Pilgrim. I'm the new IREA secretary. And I've got a few points and comments for us tonight. Uh, first off, I want to remind many of you, you've received, or you should have received, an email invitation to our annual school board meet and greet with IREA members. We're hosting that on December 14th at the Indian River Senior Center. It's definitely a time for our IREA members and our Indian River School Board members to get together, talk, share concerns, share feelings, and get to know the uh, staff members that you employ. Please RSVP by December 6th, that's next Monday for that. Um, secondly, IREA is looking forward to contract negotiations with the school board coming up on December 14th and 15th for our teachers, paraprofessionals, secretaries, and custodians. Then a couple of questions for you tonight. Tonight, the school board approved the class size waiver for several classrooms in the grades kindergarten through third grade. IRA would strongly like to encourage the board to consider the following. First off, what is the maximum number of students that the district is willing to place in a K through third grade classroom? IREA believes there should be some indication of what number the district or the school board deems acceptable as a maximum in each of those um, early elementary classrooms. Um, secondly, how will the district support those teachers in regards to workload, particularly those teachers with higher numbers of special education students? Thirdly, knowing that the ratios are often lowered by placing paraeducators in these classrooms, how will the district ensure that those paras aren't pooled for coverage for substitutes in the building 
as we are also dealing with a substitute crisis shortage in our district as well, and that the pairs are in the class for a sufficient amount of time, not just like 30 minutes, but like a sufficient amount of time each day. Um, also, is there any data to show that classrooms who get these kind of waivers, especially the third grade classrooms that have to take the state test on an annual basis, is there any data that we can find to support or to show how these classes who get this waiver do on the state test as compared to the classrooms who don't need this waiver? Um, I feel like our members and the IRA would look forward to discussions about this and how we can further address our members' concerns. Thank you so much. You said that's at the senior center? Did the board meeting great Indian River Senior Center in Millsboro behind the Wawa? Okay. December 14th. 530. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Superintendent's report, Dr. Owens. Yes, within your board docs, I've uh, outlined my activities over the course of the last month. I encourage you to take a look and I can answer any questions. Any questions? Hearing none, 9.02. District calendar change? Yes, uh, as you'll see in board docs, we do have several calendar changes. Uh, the cancellation of Long Neck Elementary Choral Concert on January 20th, 2022. Change in the Selbyville Middle School Holiday Band Concert from 6.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Uh, on December 6th. Change Selbyville Middle School National Junior Honor Society uh, induction from December 13th to December 14th, change Indian River High School Band Concert from December 14th to December 16th, change Indian River High School Honor Society induction from November 17th to a date to be determined in the spring of 2022, addition of English Language Learner Family Literacy Night at Long Neck Elementary School on March 30th, 2022 from 6 to 7.30 p.m., cancellation of the North Georgetown Elementary Holiday Concert on December 17th, and that will then be added to the North Georgetown Elementary Holiday Family Engagement on December 15, 2021, excuse me, at 6 p.m. Thank you, Dr. Owens. Any questions of those? <coughs> Moving on, financial reports. We would, we would ask we for board action <coughs> on those calendar items, sir. Is there a motion to accept? Accept. Motion made, is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Financial reports, 10.01, financial summaries for the month of October. Yes, the reports you have in board docs are as of October 31st. We were 33% of the way through the fiscal year. So far, I've received 70% of total budgeted revenue, 81% of budgeted discretionary revenue, and 87% of budgeted local tax revenue. Interest rates still remained at zero, um, so we received zero dollars in interest in October. We spent 23% of total budgeted expenses and spent 37% of budgeted discretionary expenses. The ILC programs have spent 21% of their budgeted expenses and NS spent 33% of budgeted expenses. Is there a motion to accept financial summaries for the month ending in October? Is there a motion? So moved. Motion made, is there a second? Second. second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Who's opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. I skipped part two. I'm sorry. Um, part two has student activity funding balance of approximately $679,000. Um, SRF 1 funding is being reconciled to reallocate expenses to SRF 2 and 3. 
As SERP 2, we've spent 9.9 .9 million and have 3.2 million remaining. As SERP 3, we've spent 4.6 million and have 25 million remaining. In total, we have 37 million in available federal funds, and we're holding approximately 1 million in donations and internal accounts. Major cap? Major cap, please. Um, for major cap, we paid out 1.8 million in September. motion is set major capital improvement so moved motion made is there a second second motion made and second any further discussion all those in favor say aye aye, aye. those opposed passes by unanimous vote 10.03 minor cap minor cap we have spent approximately 2.9 million and have a balance of 356,000 remaining our fy22 funds for indian river um, were received um, a couple weeks ago in early november um, because we had enough funds to make the match. Any questions? Motion to accept, minor cap? Accept. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? <clears throat> Passes by unanimous vote. 10.04, fiscal year 2022 final give back plan. Yes, um, the give back plan, as you are aware, is an annual process um, that we are told how much our our reduction will be um, this year it's just over two million um, and that is a slight reduction from last year so the plan that you have in, in on board docs um, is very similar to previous years where we are giving back an additional assistant superintendent one supervisor and 20.12 teaching positions um, then additional funding from our pd funds our technology block grant and then operational funds that totals $1,899,129 from Indian River, and then $135,940 from NS will come from operational funding. Motion to accept. The one real quick question, though. Is it true that we're the only government agency that has to give money back? I'm not aware of any state agencies giving budget money back in the past couple fiscal years. Okay, so it's only education that the governor is hitting with this? As far as I'm aware. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, but I guess that's our governor. I make a motion, we accept. <laughs> motion made, is there a second? Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Communication, 11.01, use of facilities request. Dr. Owen? Yes, one request this evening, use of John M. Clayton Elementary School's gym by the Lighthouse Christian School on the dates listed uh, within board docs for December, January, and February. Motion, is there a motion to accept? So motion moved. to accept. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 11.02, field trip request. Yes, one field trip request uh, by Sussex Central's baseball team on March 12th through the 16th for the uh, to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Motion to accept? Motion. Motion moved. made, is there a second? Second. Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Personnel. Is there a motion to accept personnel agenda? Uh, minus number 59. So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Uh, agenda number 59. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. 
Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Abstain. One abstention, ma'am. Will you please call the board? Mr. Cathell? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Abstain. Dr. Statler? Yes. Seven yes, zero no, one abstention. Passes by majority vote. Uh, personnel addendum, minus seven, eight, and ten. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion second. made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Now separating. Uh, Addendum numbers seven and eight. Is there a motion to accept? To move. Motion to accept. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Abstain. Abstain. Okay. Mr. Cathell? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Abstain. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Abstain. Dr. Statler? Yes. Okay, that's six yes, zero no, and two abstentions. Passes by majority vote. Uh, also on addendum number 10, is there a motion to accept? Yes. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Abstain. Troublefield, please follow the board. Mr. Cathell? Abstain. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Okay, that's seven yes, zero, no, and one abstention. Passed by majority vote. Contractual agenda, is there a motion to accept? Accept. Motion made is there. Second. Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Uh, we'll conclude the meeting with public comments. Is there anybody who would like to come forward and speak for public comment? Come on down, sir. I have some bullet points I'll try to get through uh, quickly just because everybody's tired. Uh, my wife Jen spoke earlier. My name is Joe Hurd. We have a son in fifth grade at LNE and a daughter in 11th grade at Central. Uh, the reason I didn't speak at the previous point in the meeting is because I wanted to hear what everybody had to say before I formulated any thought at all. I've corresponded with all of you in one shape or another. Uh, so I kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about and I think you know the same about me. Excuse me. Uh, in August, when there was the first board meeting, my wife and I were in attendance and up with another, a number of other people. I wrote a letter to the editor as was forwarded to all of you. I don't bash, I state what I feel. In that letter to the editor, which all of you received, I showed my concern about the masks, and I also praised the district 
for what they had done to try to accommodate. The problem is that accommodation is nearly impossible to obtain. We took our daughter and our son to her, their pediatrician to try to get a medical exemption. Not so much for my daughter. I'm not anti-vax, I'm not anti-mask. I have a problem with my son wearing it because he has medical issues because of it or that are exacerbated by it. My daughter is in Central, she wears a mask every day, I don't care. It's about choice and not forcing either vax or mask. When we went to the pediatrician, the pediatrician said that they go by the CDC guidelines and those are passed down to the American Association of Pediatricians, which state that you should wear a mask. They go by the mask mandate. Therefore, a regular pediatrician to a major organization, such as BB or any of the other major health organizations, is going to be denied. It's only come to light lately that there may be other doctors that are going to see that there are medical problems. Now, I sat in the back of the room for this whole meeting. I saw all of you at one point or another messing with your mask. I see some of you have taken it off. Put yourself in an 11-year-old's shoes, sitting in class, trying to learn. He's a straight-A student. He's on student council. He wants to be in school. You all play with your mask all the time. You expect him to wear one and be okay with it? And I know all of your hands are tied. And I've spoken directly to some of you about that. I get it. I was in a government position also. I understand that there are some things that you have to go by because you're put in a position where you can't do anything else. You are relying on funding, and that funding, unfortunately, is only being held, you're only receiving it because you go by the guidelines. And I spoke to Ms. Blannard specifically. This is Sussex County. Now, I'm a transplant. I was in Jersey my entire life until 2014, and I moved down here, and I love it. I love everything about it. Sussex County is not Newcastle, and it's sure as hell not Kent. We are different down here. If you look at the other boards... 15 seconds, sir. If you look at the other boards, they go with exactly what the northern two-thirds of this state does. We don't. We need that to go a step farther. Right? We need to do something. We need to be an action. You guys are doing a great job. You're voting in the right direction. Finalize it. Make it stick and let the kids, and let the parents especially, have some type of choice in whether they wear masks or whether they get vaccinated. Thank you. Would anyone else like to come forward for public comment this evening? Hearing none, meeting's adjourned.